ऑडियो हॉप पॉडकास्ट दिस इज द विस्की एडवाइजर शो ऑन दिस शो वी सैंपल सम फाइन विस्कीज शेयर इंटरेस्टिंग टेल्स एंड ट्रिविया एंड आंसर योर मोस्ट इंपॉर्टेंट क्वेश्चन अबाउट विस्की एंड नाउ हियर्स योर होस्ट द विस्की एडवाइजर उदय बालाजी Hello everyone. Welcome back to the Whiskey Advisor show. You all know the whiskey rook of course. How are you today Piyush? Hi Uday and uh, hello everyone. Uh, I'm really good. Yes, I'm definitely waiting with bated breath uh, because the last few episodes have been a revelation. I've learned so much about the whiskey and how it is made. You know, trust me, I'm just looking forward to this next journey. Glad to hear that Piyush. If you go back to the episode that we did on the history of whiskey, our very first episode. Um I said we look at Indian whiskey and Indian whiskey history mm-hmm. and also the single malts that are really putting India on the world whiskey map. Yes, I remember. So this is something is really close to my heart and as part of the whiskey advisor something that I really want to do is help in my own way to promote the Indian single malt category. Mm-hmm. Because something that we should be very proud of. You know, we as Indians know very little about our own liquor history mm-hmm. there is quite a proud tradition of liquor that has been produced for many many centuries and uh, now you know there's a little bit of uh, a bad rep that indian whiskey and indian liquor at large gets because of how it's made and the questionable quality and all that yes that is the case to a large extent but also you know there are certain economic realities in our country and a lot of this liquor is catering to that and through all this you have some real giants that are emerging mm-hmm. that are really putting indian whiskey and there are some craft producers also putting indian gins on the world map okay and i really really think we should all go out and you know buy a bottle of uh, amrut or paul john or rampur and give it a chance you will be amazed at how good it is and over the next three episodes and this episode we will attempt to showcase the best of what india has as far as whiskey goes so yeah i mean i completely agree with you uday uh, india is after all one of the largest markets for liquor and especially for whiskey so i think we have a long standing relationship with whiskey i i'd have to correct you there because um we have a long standing relationship with liquor but you know that said we're very coy about liquor in our country you know i even now mm-hmm. sometimes when you go to parties some gentlemen you know kind of hide their glasses while they're drinking yeah, i mean yeah. why is just we've gone from a very proud you know uh, kind of showy drinking culture to making it a taboo you know it's kind of changing with our generations where it's you know socially acceptable and it's seen as completely normal which is great uh, because going back in history and culture liquor has played a very important part in our history i agree with that so you know do tell us about where the liquor came from in india as far as i know it didn't come from anywhere specifically uh, in fact uh, i'm no expert on uh, you know ancient history of liquor mm-hmm. but i believe there are records in all ancient texts like the rigveda mentions soma sura pramana for example 
Yeah, so, you know, I think we all know about Soma because it was supposed to be Shiva's favorite drink, the Somrasa. Uh, similarly, I believe that uh, Sura was Indra's favorite drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, these were brewed from rice meal, wheat, sugar cane, grapes and some other fruits. In fact, another thing that we looked up was the Sushruta Samhita promises all these things when somebody drinks Soma. Eternal youth, mm-hmm. fire, poison or weapon attacks won't harm the drinker. Okay. The drinker will master the Vedas and will find success wherever he goes. Mm-hmm. And will also have the energy of a thousand elephants. Oh, that's too much. <laughs> well, even if it did 1% of that, I'd love some of that Soma. Yeah. So, and also, you know, like the Charaka Samhita has detailed accounts of alcohol. But you know what I'm told? It even mentions in Ayurvedic texts about alcohol, where it says it's a medicine in moderation, but a poison in excess. And I think all these, you know, stories that we've looked at, that's the best takeaway, right? Because this is something that comes from ancient texts and we're talking about it today saying drink less, drink uh, better or drink well, drink responsibly, mm-hmm. like we say at the end of our show. That's the biggest takeaway for me, really. Yeah, you know, that said, we saw that when we uh, spoke about the aqua vitae and, you know, how it was believed to have restorative and uh, uh, rejuvenative powers. Yeah, you know, throughout history, there's always been this belief that uh, alcohol can give you powers and can heal you. More so, heal you. Maybe also had something to do with the quality of the water Mm -hmm. that... uh, was available back in the day that alcohol and beer were safer things to drink, mm-hmm. you know. Um, that said, we talked about how the Arabs and Egyptians were distilling and fermenting. But uh, Indian archaeologists have also found uh, clay pots and other distillation equipment in ancient sites like the Taxila site. Oh. So we're talking about like 1000 BC and stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. So it's fascinating, really. So you could say that we were possibly among the first distilling civilizations. Okay. Uh, So, some common raw materials are flowers and fruits. So, even now, if you see one of the most popular kind of country liquors that are made by tribals in the central part of the country is mahua. Mm -hmm. So, I tasted mahua for the first time when I went to uh, Kana National Park. Okay. So, like a local tribal gave us some mahua and it was actually quite nice, you know. A long safari drive, a little bit of a mahua tipple, and it was quite. I slept well that night. <laughs> Couldn't sleep for long because it was a five o'clock safari in the morning, but yeah. Okay. So, you know, there was never a time in our history when uh, some form of alcohol or uh, intoxicant was being used, right? That does seem to be the case, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So, Uday, since we are talking about whiskey, uh, how and when did whiskey make its way to India? And we talked about this a little bit. Um, in episode one, was it? Yeah. yeah. So it was the British who brought it to India. Uh, so the records of whiskey being imported into the country in the late 1800s, 1900s itself, uh, and they were imported in casks. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was supposedly enjoyed by the British and also, you know, the close circle of um, Indians. Mm-hmm. And as we mentioned in the show again, in 1909, there's a record of Glenfiddich being imported in casks into India. Yeah, I remember. 
So you mean to say a little more than 100 years and that's the history of whiskey in India, right? I believe so, yeah. So this is interesting. When the British wanted to start um, distributing it in India, there was a lot of um, opposition that called it a foreign poison. Okay. So they were actually quite uh, creative with this. And they set up this thing called the Hemp Commission. Mm-hmm. So the whole purpose of the Hemp Commission was to find out whether whiskey was more harmful or less harmful or equally harmful as ganja. Okay. So back then, it was perfectly fine to use marijuana. You know, it was kind of, it was just accepted. And even now, if we really think about it, marijuana is uh, in no way more harmful than whiskey, really. Okay, anyway, so the study was uh, commissioned by the British. And uh, the results of the study was that whiskey is in no way more harmful or less harmful than marijuana or ganja. And, uh, you know, the road was paved, so to speak, for whiskey to enter India. And we haven't really looked back. Do you see the irony in all this? Like ganja is now illegal in India, whereas the whiskey is sold openly. I certainly do. But I do hear a little bit of whispers here and there that uh, some states might legalize it. Lots of tax income there. (laughs) Okay. So coming back to whiskey uh, back in those days, in 1855, Edward Dyer, a relative of the infamous General Dyer of Jalinwala Bagh, Mm -hmm. set up a brewery in Himachal. Ah, okay. So Uday, I guess I've heard of this distillery. Is this the one which makes the famous Old Monk? That's absolutely right, Piyush. So a lot of people know it because of that. Uh, we've all had it when we were in college. But interestingly enough, they started off as a brewery and they brewed the first beer in Asia called Lion Beer. And then the brewery has moved to Solon and the Kasoli Brewery was converted into a distillery, which uh, has been making the legendary Solon number one whiskey for many years. And I also believe that they put out a Solon gold single malt. I've been wanting to visit this distillery for a while and hopefully it'll happen soon. And then I can come back and I'm sure give you a few more detailed stories and I'd really want to do an episode on that sometime. Talking about distilleries that I've been to recently, another one that I went to was in Goa. Mm-hmm. This is a Ponda distillery run by uh, Diageo now. Okay. But this has a history that dates back quite a bit. Have you heard of McDowell's? Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. So this was a company that was started in 1826 by a gentleman by the name of Angus McDowell. And this company was bought by United Spirits in 1951. Fast forward 41 years and they were actually the people who put out India's first single malt. Oh. Yeah, it was called the McDowell Single Malt. Surprising. And uh, interestingly, I read about this one dram in uh, Jim Murray's Whiskey Bible, the Stillman's Reserve. Mm-hmm. Uh, supposedly a pretty good whiskey and it came from this distillery. So when I went there, I asked them, you know, can I try that? But unfortunately, they can't retain old stocks. But a gentleman who worked on the launch of McDowell's Single Malt promised me that he will give me a dram of the Stillman's Reserve. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's curious to know what I think about it. But all of you probably know McDowell's because of McDowell's number one blended whiskey. We hope you've enjoyed the episode so far. But before we go ahead, here's a word from our partner. Enjoying this podcast? 
You can also catch this and 200 plus such podcasts on Carva 2.0 with BBC India, Film Companion, Open Mic Poetry, Sadhguru Isha Foundation, Indian classical renditions by the greatest maestros, stories, rhymes and GK for your kids. Oh, and did we mention the 5000 preloaded songs and 100 plus unique playlists every day? To know more, go to www.saregama.com now. and we're back let's continue so interestingly uday i remember you mentioned in episode 1 uh, that india consumes 50% of the world's whiskey like is it true yeah um so that's where a lot of controversy is right this is all about um what is whiskey so the scots have a definition the americans have a definition uh, the irish have a definition it's across the world even the japanese I have a very loose definition of whiskey or what japanese whiskey is um so in india there are two definitions one is your malt one is your single malt whiskey and one is your blended malt or blended grain whiskey the single malt whiskey is okay you know it is on parity with most uh, world standards so that blended whiskey is the issue so what it allows is the usage of grain neutral spirit mm-hmm. right flavorless colorless spirit and you only need to add 2% of malt or grain whiskey in order to make in order to call it whiskey and you are allowed to add artificial flavorings and colorings mm-hmm. so the key word here is at flavoring you know if you compare with scotch you can't add uh, flavoring you can only add that caramel coloring but it's not as strict here because okay. think about it right you put 2% malt whiskey and 98% neutral spirit what color and flavor you're going yeah. to get yeah so that's why the flavoring and color comes into it so the world really talks about how most of the liquor in india is molasses based spirit historically yes because molasses from sugarcane the biggest byproduct uh, in india that is available for distilling but now a lot of it is grain neutral spirit also that comes from rice that can't be consumed by you know us and stuff like that anyway so yes calling it whiskey might be a bit of a stretch but at the end of the day you know that is the indian definition and you can't be too snobbish about it also because there are certain economic realities in our country and not everyone can afford to buy the expensive stuff yeah should it be reclassified maybe but that's a bigger discussion uh how can you really tell what has how much uh, neutral spirit and malt or grain or whatever that again is another life's work that will be required to do it <laughs> but as a thumb rule uh as you go up in the price range you're getting less and less of the neutral spirit and less and less of the coloring and flavoring and more of the proper malt whiskey or grain whiskey and uh, right up to the top where you get to your single malt producers like amrut paljan and rampur who we're going to look at in the next three episodes who have like fine high quality single malts that are made exactly in accordance to any uh, scotch standard so there do you remember we had conversation uh, about imfl and you said that you'll get back to me ah uh, i was kind of hoping you wouldn't ask me that question but uh, this is something that's always confused me personally how exactly is it classified 
but to be honest i did call a friend of mine i'm going to give him some credit as well so vikram jagdish from doers wines mm-hmm. thank you for finally explaining to me how this works mm-hmm. so there are four categories the bottom most category is your country liquor which is which can only be made and sold in those states like mm-hmm. your desi darus right mm-hmm. and then you have indian made liquor which is any liquor that's made in india okay right from uh, you know the lowest quality stuff right up to your high quality single ones and then you have imfl which is indian made foreign liquor mm-hmm. which is any foreign brands like for example you take teachers they bring in that concentrate at like 68% or 70% or whatever it is bring it here purely for volume of transport being reduced bring it here and then water it down and bottle it ah so okay. it's bottled in india okay and the last one is imported liquor which is bottled in origin or bottled oh. in scotland mm. wherever it is mm. so that is uh, what we finally figured out are the categories got it so coming back uh, you know i want to ask you this are there any differences to the single malts in india to those from the scotland um in terms of process no uh, so they really adhere to the same process you know high quality pot stills high quality casks uh, the difference uh, there are a couple of differences one would be the barley that's used uh, so in scotland all the barley is two row barley whereas in india most of the barley would be six row barley i will get into the technical part of it in future episodes but another thing is the maturation is very different because of our climatic conditions mm-hmm. that angel share that we talked about which is 1 to 2% in scotland can be upwards of 10% in india okay so that really changes the game so uday that was a very detailed explanation of how indian whiskey evolved and i'm sure you know the listeners would also now look at indian whiskey in a different light but like we have promised we have to segue into the q and a section shall shall we do that absolutely let's do it the first question is from siddharth krishna dwivedi from instagram and his question is how to drink whiskey in summer without diluting with ice This is a really valid question particularly given our indian weather you can't always be having whiskey neat uh, but that said when you put ice in whiskey or whenever the whiskey is gets colder it does tend to lose some of the aroma but in any case since he's asked the question some of the options could be one using a really big ball of ice so it dilutes very slowly uh some people use whiskey rocks I've never really liked them too much. Another option is uh you know you get these glasses which have an outer compartment that has ice that's a handy option. Another option could be simply keeping the bottle in the fridge. Uh but I think something that's really cool and is really catching on is uh, whiskey highballs and cocktails. But the main thing with this is you should elevate the drink rather than just you know put in just a random bunch of mixers. into your uh, whiskey. Uh the next one is from Pranith aka K Prana 10 on Instagram, which is the best distillery to visit in Scotland. Wow, this is a tough one. Uh I've been to about 25 distilleries or so on Scotland. Um I'll give you the top 3. Uh so they would be uh Springbank, Bomo and the Balvenie. Uh Springbank purely because, you know, they 
are probably the most traditional distillery out there. You get to see every part of the process. Uh, Bomo, again, similar. And the Balvenie also is a very traditional um, distillery. And you can see the flow malting across all these three uh, distilleries. And in the Balvenie, you can also see the cooperage. Moving on to uh, the next question, which is from Ameya Banushali, aka Dr. Quick on Instagram. He asks, uh, use a virgin oak cask to mature a whiskey as compared to the traditional casks. Uh, so virgin oak basically means uh, fresh oak, which uh, has not been used to mature whiskey before. And the traditional cask is one that has previously matured uh, some other you know, uh, spirit, typically bourbon and sherry. Uh, so here... When you're talking about virgin oaks, these are fresh casks that are packed with flavor. So they will obviously have much more impact on the spirit. Yeah. And uh, this also obviously depends on the charring and toasting levels. And so it's a very, you know, it's a tricky process because if you age it for too long, it can become very tannic and very, um, you know, sometimes undrinkable almost. But what some blenders will do is they'll do this uh, with the scotch, for example, and then use it as a blend for their single malts. You know, it adds that robust tannic character. Um, historically, scotch is always only used uh, refill casks because they're gentler spirits and uh, they're perfectly matched to the slow maturation in uh, any sort of refill cask. Moving on to the next one. Um, so the next question is from Vijay Mohan Raj, aka Vijay M Raj on Instagram. Which is the best single malt with an overpowering smoky flavor? This is relatively subjective, but uh, to keep it simple, the Isla scotches are the most robust smoky whiskies. And uh, the ones that are available in India would be Lafroig, Ardbeg, and uh, Smokehead from what I understand, which is really, you know, an independent bottling of a very young Ardbeg. Uh, there are obviously different styles. So I'd say taste and choose which ones uh, you prefer. Internationally, uh, very famous uh, peated whiskies are uh, from the Brooklady Distillery, which would be the Port Charlotte and the reputedly most peaty whiskey in the world, the Octomar. Let's close it out with something quite light. Uh, this question is from Gaurav, aka Nambudri Path on Instagram. When are you opening your store? Wow. <laughs> if um, I could, I would. Um, but, you know, it's a lot more challenging than you would think. But for me, uh, rather than a store, what I'd love to do uh, one day is have my own little whiskey bar, kind of like, you know, uh, they have in Japan, just a small intimate whiskey bar with hundreds of whiskeys and you all can come and, uh, you know, we can share whiskey stories and tastings. Cheers and thank you all for the questions. So that's it for this week, folks. Um, as you noticed, the last thing that we talked about was how Indian single malts are a little bit different from Scotland. So we'll continue this discussion next week. When we talk about Amrut, and how they single-handedly transformed the image of Indian whiskey on the global map. In the meantime, please send in your questions and comments via email, Instagram, or Facebook, and we'll answer as many as we can. All our handles are at the end of the show. Till then, drink well and drink responsibly. Cheers. Mm -hmm.
If you want to learn more about Whiskey and Uday's work, visit thewhiskeyadvisor.com. You can send in your questions to us on uday at thewhiskeyadvisor.com or Instagram or Facebook at thewhiskeyadvisor. That's whiskey without the e. The show was brought to you by Audio Hop Podcasts. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter at Audio Hop Podcasts. We'll be back next week. Until then, keep your spirits up and drink responsibly.